welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Okay, my name is Chaim. I'm grateful recovering sexaholic. I'm really grateful to be here. We are up to step five. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. In in essay, we hear a lot about um, this concept and this idea of admitting our flaws. For me, in early recovery, and it comes up very much today as well, it's not so comfortable to admit our flaws. Like, who wishes to admit our flaws? And let's, let's get honest. Let's get, like, really honest. It, it sucks picking up a telephone and telling somebody on the phone that I, I just yelled at my wife or I was just very obnoxious, or I did something wrong with my kid, or I really um, like laid it into a guy at work, or, 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 or just I'm feeling crappy, I just, I just don't feel good. You know, the world that I live in is such an outer world of, I need to give off to you based on the clothing I wear, the face I make, the look I give, the shoes I wear, the way I, I literally brush my hair or my beard, that life is good by me, or the lack of hair, I should say, in the back, the hair in the back. Like, literally, like, I need to give off to you an impression that life is good. And not only do I need to give off that impression, but I felt for years that I need to give off an impression of, like, and it's not so good for you. Is there anything I could do to help? And in meanwhile, I'm corroding within. And that was my life. I could be in a, in a porn shop literally helping st- some of my students out, talking to them about the problems of masturbation and the issues of watching porn while I'm in a porn shop. Who cares to admit my flaws? It is the most humiliating thing. That's what I feel. Like everybody, I, th- I thought the world told me the one thing you don't do is tell other people your weaknesses. You come to program and they say, share with your weakness. I truly believe that one of the reasons we go around the room and we open the meetings with everybody saying their MOs is to really just show everybody that we're all just the exact same and, and, and these are, this is why I'm here. I'm like you and you're like me. You watch porn, I watch porn. You masturbate, I masturbate. 
Who cares the, the flavor of the addiction, but we're all just one, we're all just so the same. The moment we step out of here is that feeling, if you're like me, of like, oh boy, okay, how do I show you that I'm making money when I'm not? Like, you're like hey, so how do we do this exactly? Like, how do I show you that I'm really living the good life? Like, how do I pretend that my family's all intact? <coughs> how do I cover up and paint the picture over the garbage that is going on inside of me. And there is nobody in the world that needs to paint a picture of the garbage that is going on inside of them to cover up the corrosion and the, the deficit than us sexaholics. No one. No one. You know, you know how much work I needed to do for myself to, to cover up and make believe life is good when I'm in an adult uh, bookstore or I'm in a strip club as a, as, a, as a Jewish kid with a wife and children at home and my wife's calling me. You know how much lying I needed to do? You know how much deceiving I needed to do? You know how much I needed to show the world that I am, I am really a good guy when... The only person that knows that I'm, I'm really not as good as I pretend to be is me. If you were like me, I did not like what I saw in the mirror. I absolutely hated what I saw in the mirror on a daily basis. And the only thing I was able to do to get rid of what was really going on inside of me is make sure the outer me, the exterior me, is so perfect and intact that actually you believe it. To the point that I stop believing it. To the point that I need to fool myself into a belief system that really things are going well. I know I had this experience in my 13 years in being in program. Guys who leave program, I meet them occasionally here and there. For them to admit that their life sucks is so difficult. It's so painful to just finally say, you know something, I don't got this in order. Step five is the opportunity to finally come clean with somebody in this program and say, you know something, I really don't got my shit together. Life really is not working out. Even if I'm making loads of money. Life is really not working out, you know why? Because between me and myself, I can't exist. Between me and myself, it's just not working out. Could I for once and for all tell you what's been going on by me? And could you please help me? That's step five. Step five is we, we, we finally take off the coat and we like, we just get like honest. With who? Like it says, we admit it to God. We admit it to to ourselves and we admit it to another person. There's no faking it anymore. It's not I'm going to play the game, I'm going to admit it to one guy and to the other guy, I'm going to show the life is good. It's not anymore I'm going to tell God, you know those moments of like clarity when we're either praying or we're on our knees or we just got our butt kicked and we're just, God, I'm willing, I'm help, 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 I can't take it anymore. And then two minutes later we walk around like life is great. We're driving a pimp car or we're living the good life. We're going out to eat. We're blowing around. Life is good. For once and for all, I look in the mirror and tell myself the ultimate truth. The ultimate truth is if I continue down this path, 
life is just going to get worse and worse and worse. That's the beauty of step five. The beauty for me of step five was for once I was able to sit down with my sponsor and show him the ugly. I don't have to tell him about who my last name is and what I come from. And I don't have to put on this facade. I, don't, I could tell him, you know something? It hasn't been working out that great. It really just hasn't. And I could admit to myself what I don't want to admit. And one of the hardest things to admit in this program, more than anything, at least for me, <coughs> is that guy got his shit together and I don't. <coughs> I've sat in these meetings myself personally guilty of looking at the people that I want what they have and instead of asking them for it, I shame them. I belittle them in my head. I belittle them to others. <coughs> I knock them. Instead of coming over and simply just saying, could you help? Instead of being humble and saying, let me just listen to the guy. Let me listen to where he came from. Let me understand his problem. Let me get to his solution. He could not stop masturbating. I can't stop masturbating. He hasn't masturbated in two years, three years. Five years, 10 years, 15, 20. How is he doing that? He's the biggest flirt, this guy. He's flirted with anything that walks and he doesn't do it anymore. How do I do that? By walking around and showing everybody in program that I got my stuff in order? Sexually sober for X amount of time, doing very good, my wife and children, yeah. So what do you do for a living? When inwardly, even if I'm sexually sober, quote unquote, my life sucks. I cannot stop flirting. I cannot stop looking at nudity. I cannot stop going onto YouTube. I cannot stop um, lusting after the neighbor. I cannot stop picking up the phone and calling my cousins. Who's a gr- I cannot stop. I cannot stop. I cannot. And you could? So I have to knock you and shame you and belittle you because you figured out how to do it? This is the one time in program where we could finally go over to somebody and say, Hey, buddy, I'm broke. And I've been broke for years. And I've tried it my way in every which way, shape, or form. And they tell me, you've been broke also. And I've been listening to you. And you know something? It sounds like you've got a few bucks in your pocket. How do you get it? Can you just tell me what to do? How lucky we are that we're part of such a fellowship. Shul talks about this all the time. Old-timers talk about this all the time. How lucky we are we're in a room with, with 20, 30, 50 doctors... That figured out how to solve the, the problem that I'm struggling with today. Had a, such a beautiful experience after, after the last um, meeting, Tuesday. One of our fellows came over to me and said, so you heard my share at the meeting. I'm struggling with, with the fact that I don't feel connected to the whole program. You know how many guys left program because they have that feeling and they don't admit it? You know how many guys come to meetings daily, daily? These are the guys that come every single day. Every single day they don't feel a part of the program. And eventually they just dwill it away. But thank God, one of the guys in the program, without mentioning his name, comes over to me and says, I just don't feel part of this program and this fellowship. And I come and I come and I come. Now, if he held that piece of information long enough, how long could you come to a program that you don't feel part of? And 
And thank God I was able to give him the gift that was given to me because there was times I didn't feel part of this program. And there's times, even though I'm around for 13 years, I still don't feel part of this program. And I was able to tell him that your brain is going to forever trick you. And if the end result of that trick says, and therefore go act out, you know the trick is a lie. So this time your brain is tricking and saying, you don't feel part of this program. You know what you get to do? You get to go on YouTube and watch some Michael Jordan, which ends up leading you to masturbation somehow. After another 20 clicks. Or you end up listening to your favorite singer, which ends up leading you to a porn site. You know why? Because to that porn person, I feel very connected. She loves me to pieces. Program, they don't like me. They don't care about me. They don't give me validation. But if he wasn't willing to be open and honest with that, he's at a program. If I'm not willing to be open and honest with you that my, the strongest thing that I'm struggling with and having a hardest time, even though I'm 13 years in program, is shame. I don't know why so much shame is coming up for me lately. Shame, just shame. Not shame that I'm a sexaholic, but shame of my flaws, shame of, of my lack of accomplishments. Shame of, you don't get me. If you had my weaknesses and my struggles and my <coughs> deficiencies, you would feel like I do. But if I don't share that and I hold that, even though I'm walking around program and I'm sober for 12 years, 9 months, and I'm walking around program, but I'm carrying this piece of shame inside of me and I don't want to tell it to you, of course I'm not going to feel connected to you. I'm actually not. You didn't tell me that you're struggling with resentments. Or fears. And I'm not telling you I'm struggling with, 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 with what? With shame. So I'm not telling you my truth. You're not telling me your truth. And then you wonder why we're not connected in the meeting. What about actions of lust? One of the hardest things is to bring up in a meeting and come in and say, you know something? I looked at nudity yesterday. Not I took an action of lust because that means nothing. Took an action of lust is basically like, you know, the guy when you, you meet him in, in wherever you meet him and say, uh, you want to do some, some business together? And the guy goes, yeah, 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 call me. You know, nothing is ever coming out of that. <coughs> the guy asks you, how are you doing? And you say, good, good, good. And you, good, good, good. Thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. You know there's no connection. This is the one place, the one place, the one time in our life where we so badly wanted to connect. We're such sensitive people, all of us. We have such big hearts. We so badly want to get to know each other. And yet I'm going to sit and put up this facade of 12 and a half years sober. You're going to put up the facade of two and a half years sober. I'm not going to tell you my truth. You don't tell me your truth. We come around and then we say program doesn't work. To be able to take, when that happens, an action of lust, it's inevitable that it's going to happen to everybody. It just is the fact of life. Unless you're not part of sexaholics. If you're part of overeaters, you might one day overeat. But my experience is everybody gets, unfor I don't know if it's unfortunately, today I, I, I found that taking actions of lust sometimes is a fortunate event of God tapping me on the shoulder and saying, buddy, wake up before your ass gets kicked in, like really bad. 
when I get tapped on the shoulder and get a beer hug from God because I took that action of lust that I shouldn't have taken and I get an opportunity to come in here and not took an action of loss and I'm not sure I spoke to my spouse and I don't, I don't know what to do about my wife but rather come in here and say I looked at nudity is that shaming myself that's what I've done I checked out this girl in the coffee shop and I couldn't stop thinking I just want to have sex with her and then when I saw her, her husband is I would have never made that partnership together I was supposed to marry her I want to kill the bastard and I tell you the truth I'm able to then hear from you doctors, this is the medication to take for such a problem. But when you're shying away and not telling me the truth, how am I supposed to help you? When I'm shying away and I'm not willing to tell you my truth, how are you supposed to help me? This is a program about getting a little bit uncomfortable in order to get comfortable. You know the guys in meetings that cheer like so brutally honest that you sit there like, oh God, it's so, you know, don't say that. That's how we get healing, by the way. You want to hear my facade? You want to hear my thank God? I could tell you all day, thank God. Life is great. How was life by you? It's doing good, yeah? Great, great. If it's doing that good, why are you struggling with lust for the past who knows how long? If it's doing that good, let's be rigorously honest. Honest. Are you willing to sit down with your wife and ask your wife, how am I really doing? Would your children testify that you're doing great at home? This is the time when, even though I'm sober for, whoever the guy is, sober for three years, five years in program, but his, his marriage or his children's life suck, where we could get help for it and not pay somebody $250 weekly to try to get 40 minutes of help. This is the program where all the AAs say what the big book has given me, a million dollars in all the rehabs and therapy hasn't given me. This is their program. It did it for me. It doesn't mean therapy is not important. It doesn't mean going to the rehab is not important. I needed to do all. I'm still in therapy. After 10 years sober, I went back to deal with some key core issues that I couldn't figure out here. Of course, there's a room and place for everything. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is you don't have to do your fourth step with, your, with, with a therapist and over the course of the next three years pay him or her $100,000. Guy's willing to do it for you for free over here. Who, by the way, recently has gone through the fourth step. Who has experience of have found God. Doesn't have to suffer with resentments <coughs> and fears and the harms that he did or his sex conduct. And he's willing and ready to help you. That's this program. This program is where we get to come and shield from our weakness. That's why this program is so attractive. That's why we all, let's be honest, struggle with our religion and with our society that we live in. Because everybody's putting up a facade. So when it comes the, the holiday or it becomes a winter vacation and everybody's like, so where are you going for vacation? Oh, you're, you're staying home. <laughs> you're staying home. You're, you're staying home. No, it's not bad. I go away. My wife wants me to go away. I, I really don't want to go. And then everybody that's away is on the phone about... The, I ended up here. I wasn't supposed to be. I was supposed to really go over there. I ended up here because it didn't work out the, the flight, so we ended up coming here. 
And everybody's constantly just showing why they're one step ahead. We hate it with a passion. We drive a lot of us the cars that we drive because we're so uncomfortable ourselves and we need to fit into a certain society. We wear the clothing we wear is for the same reason. We talk that a certain way with certain people in order to give over an impression that don't think I'm not successful. You know the pain of a guy who's a pauper and pretending his whole life that he's rich? You know that pain? That agony? Feeling different? Me personally, I lived in a very poor neighborhood my whole life. I was considered like the richest kid on the block. Two months a year, I went to this very, very fancy, very high fluent scale of, of very wealthy people for two months a year. And I felt like the absolute mice poor guy. That's my life story. They both sucked. I just want to be like you. I want you to be like me. We kill each other in program. Chaim doesn't get me. David doesn't get me. Joe doesn't get me. This guy doesn't get me. Nobody gets me. You know who gets me? That babe on the screen. Wow, she gets me. That girl in the coffee shop. Ooh, she gets me. As opposed to coming to a fellowship where we all get each other. We're all here because life didn't work out. And we found a solution to our problems of life and it's called masturbation, porn, fantasy, and lust. We found a solution to life's problems. And then I come here and the only thing I talk about is God and meditation and spiritual awakenings and how life is so good that when I take the action, I just push it under the carpet and wonder why life is sucking and sucking. And then what ends up happening, and I'm guilty of this, is I end up bringing the outside world into program. And I just stop putting on that same facade that I put on in the outside world, I put on here. <coughs> and it ends up coming about after the meetings, an attitude of sitting around and bullying around of business and work and family, breaking traditions after tradition after tradition, as opposed to, can we get honest? I'm dying, help me. Help me. I don't want that. I could be in the coffee room. I could go to synagogue afterwards and bull around for the, with the guys for the same price. I could talk business there. What do I have to do it here for? Yes, I'm sober, but this program is not working. My wife hates my guts. What do I do? Help me. We could actually get a solution for that here. My children's lives are not working out well. What do I do? We're so lucky we can tap into experiences of everything as opposed to just let's talk and bull around and joke around. My sponsor called me out on this so many times and I had to admit, yeah, I'm guilty of it. I would rather go to the guy who I'm most friendly with and just sit down and joke around with him instead of talk about recovery. Sports? Hell yeah, I'd rather talk to you about that than anything else. It's another form of prostitution. Let's not talk about what's really going on inside of Chaim. The beauty, the beauty of step five is this. 
We finally, finally commit to ourselves, which is the key thing, because I hid from me my entire life. I hid from me my entire life, and finally I could stop the hiding. It's not about picking up our hands and celebrating and saying I'm sober for X amount of time. And now I get to numb out everything else in my life that's not working out. And when you get to be sober for a few years, there's nothing like it. You just got to name your sobriety date and now life works out. And even getting honest about the victories and the gifts of life. I don't want to tell you about that either. Because then now it starts the whole game of now you're judging me. And I went through this in program for such a long time. When I share with you my, my weaknesses, I feel you don't get me and I feel like a failure. And when I share with you my strengths, I feel like you knock me. Oh, there he goes again. With all his, with all his victory speeches and all his miracles of the program. Miracles, oh, you have more miracles you want to share? Miracles? Let me hear about your miracles of program. So basically, you're teaching me what the rest of the world <coughs> taught. Just lie. But the big book says the only people that can get sober are those people that can be rigorously honest. And if you can't be rigorously honest, you can't get sober, you can't stay sober. <coughs> So even after nine and a half years of sobriety, I needed to look at myself in the mirror and realize and be humble to my wife and recognize that one of my children is, is, is going through a very difficult time. And, and if she feels we should go for therapy, we should go. And if the therapist tells me that it's my issue that I'm giving over to my children, then it's for me to get another, instead of knocking myself, another, another gratitude of staying humble and being honest and get to call my sponsor and call you guys and you give me honest feedback. I had a phone call two days ago from a guy in program. He's in program for a bunch of months. He gets onto the phone and this is the conversation, literally. Chaim, I hate my wife with a passion. It's like, okay, you're in the right place. I literally want to punch her. She's out having a party with her friends, I want to punch her when she gets home. I hate her with a passion. I said, okay, got the problem. What's the solution? The guy said to me on the phone, he goes, whoa, you didn't validate me. Whoa, that was aggressive, Chaim. Now I know why people don't want to call you. <laughs> oh, you want to stay in the problem for another three days? Oh, how do you want to punch her? You want to talk about the punch? I did that my whole life, sucking out of you validation for why I'm in pain and I married the wrong girl. And you, the world, told me that I'm right because I was traumatized and I was abused and I was belittled and I was shamed and I was hurt and I was left back and I was never a part of, even though I had 100 friends all the time and I was a popular guy, but this is how I felt and you all told me, poor little Chaim which taught me that I could act out and I could masturbate and I'm allowed to watch porn and I'm allowed to treat my wife like a piece of crap <coughs> with the whole facade that we have a beautiful marriage and everything is great and give her shame. So now we're supposed to do the same thing in program? I told the guy innocently, I said, hey, how about praying for your wife and just write a gratitude list. She stayed with you after cheating on her? Why? Would you stay with her? That's how program works. 
program works, and I'll finish off with this. Not only do I get to give you my truth, I get to open myself up for the truth back. So help me. So guide me. So teach me. I'll never forget this reading in page 97 in the, in the white book. He says, making the wrongs right, step four through ten. The toughest act in town. Sadly, many men and women with years of physical sobriety on the 12-step program never make the breakthrough into the heart of the program and true recovery. Many people with years of sobriety never make the breakthrough in this program. The biggest obstacle seems to be steps four through ten, the core substance of this program. It is these steps that seem to be the least realized in in our actual experience. When first exposed to these steps, many of us balk. The process of righting wrongs is foreign to us. It seems light years away. In another dimension, we can't connect with it. We either dismiss it out of hand or say to ourselves, I'm doing fine just like I am. I'm doing okay. Stop getting so serious about it. Relax. People are staying sober. It's working. Take it easy. Take it easy. Everything's okay. Blindness and denial. It is as though we will go to any lengths to avoid doing what is required for our own healing. We're willing to go to any lengths in this program to, go to, to avoid our healing. I'm willing to, to lie, I'm willing to deny, I'm willing to do whatever it takes not to get well in this program. When some members see that such persons are captive to externals rather than to having had an awakening to life. Exactly what we're talking about. I'll cover it up with, with money, with finances, with business, with problems, with anything. All externals instead of having a spiritual awakening to life. If sobriety is all there is, I want no part of it. There are few things so pitiful as an aborted spiritual life. The amazing thing is that we can give the appearance of life even though we are dead. Exactly what we're talking about. We could give the appearance to everybody in this program. The life is good. We're doing well. When inside ourselves, in our root and in our heart and soul, we're really not doing well. And then when it ends up happening, I've seen this numerous times, and Shola could testify to this. You stay sober six months, you stay sober a year, you stay sober two, five, and then you relapse and go back out there. Or you stay a dry drunk, which basically means you're lustful half of the time. You're basically acting out. You just never actually masturbated. You're not telling people the truth. You're saying it half-baked. You're willing to listen to the solution, but only from certain people at certain times. You create your own program with your own insights, with your own ideas. And in meanwhile, you have this whole fluff going on inside and life doesn't work out. And then we blame the program for it. In my experience, what I had to find is the greatest gift this program has given me is Chaim, shut your brain off and just follow direction from the person that works.
It sounds <coughs> foolish. If I have a heart problem, to walk into the specialist on heart surgery and tell them how to perform the heart surgery. I got what you want to do. I got it, but we're not going to do it exactly that way. I'm going to tell you how. We're going to manipulate. I found a different doctor that holds different than you. We're going to do it a little different. It sounds foolish to humble myself to somebody else in this program and take direction, to listen to the feedback. This is the step where I could get honest and real with somebody and hold back nothing. And I've experienced working with tons and tons of sponsees and myself, more important than anything else, is that spiritual awakening. And the big book talks about if you go through this, you have the feeling of literally walking hand in hand with God. Because you don't have to fake it anymore. I can tell you my truth. I can tell you me. And finally, finally, you're willing to love me. Not for the facade that I give over to you, but you actually love Chaim. Me. And the most beautiful thing is, is even if I feel that you don't love me, I get to start loving me. That gift of starting to love yourself and being happy with yourself, independent of other people, <coughs> is something you really want to get out of this program. And the only way to get, it, uh, get that out of this program is by simply giving over the inventory and saying, this is how I work and operate. Help me work a different way. I'm not here to show you how to work the same way. Help me work a different way so I get comfortable with myself. Okay, thank you for letting me share. Appreciate it. Okay, let's open up the floor for questions. Okay, two, two questions on what you were discussing. Number one, how does it, I mean, obviously, I mean, maybe not obviously, when you're going out into the world, not walking around if you're everybody no matter you're saying that no matter how long you're here the hard days that you're struggling the hard days that things are bothering you as a person when somebody's not when there's nobody on the other side of the table you're dealing with somebody business you're dealing with somebody who has his he's living that life how do you live your life back to him with the honesty so if I'm understanding your question <clears throat> the question is is how in the regular world do we get honest and vulnerable and true and real in the regular world but yeah not in a 12-step program. How do, we, how do we deal with that? Correct. Is that the question? Yeah, that's, should I say the same one? <coughs> and there's another question. So for the first question, what I'm trying to emphasize over here is the honesty has to happen here. If we wanted to grow feet, if we could call it, and we want the tree to blossom, it's main, 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 um, what is it called? The, the tree trunk of the tree needs to be grounded and rooted. And then it could sprout forth. I found in my experience I'm much more liked and appreciated and <clears throat> looked up to in a sense by the world ever since I, I had a spiritual awakening here. People just see me in a different light. I'm not anymore that arrogant, has to go my way, stuck up, self-centered, conversation around the table needs to be about me I need to talk about myself it's much more it's much more attractive and I'll say one last point the emphasis is not anymore on the rest of the world I really don't care about the rest of the world in the sense of 
it's not my emphasis in life is to become a status and, and people and and becoming big. My my emphasis in the world is to be there for Chaim, to be there for my wife, to be there for my children, and to to nurture them and to give them as much as humanly possible so that when they go out into the world, they feel much safer than I felt as a child. So that's where this ultimate truth and ultimate appreciation and ultimate giving over, and that's where I put all my emphasis in. And that's what I want to talk about in step six and seven, is the wife and children. Raising the, being there for the wife and children. And for myself, my character defects don't allow me to do that. I really don't care about the meetings and the Apollo meetings and the get-togethers and this guy's status and this guy went there and this money and this guy's the, the next richest guy in there. It's almost like, it's almost like, it's almost like, bleh. It's just so nothing to it. And I've experienced, and we, we've spoken about it, uh, once we're speaking to Doe, we've had a popular guy who I've lusted after his money and his everything the guy can't go down the ski without drinking. He had to leave the ski course to go drink in his hotel. And we know this about everybody. We know every celebrity and every, every politician. Going after the worldly things is, is a dead life. It's, I just don't want that anymore. I lived that life. It sucked. Next question is, is uh, you mentioned about just sitting around schmoozing or something like that. This element of fellowship. How does that? How do you? What's the great question? Great question. Great question. So the question is, I mentioned that after (coughs) after a meeting, sitting around, bulling around, joking around. So what's the balance between healthy, like bulling around and joking around, (laughs) and the balance between um, working the program after the program? We call it the meeting after the meeting. (laughs) There's no right answer to that. There really isn't. How many meetings am I supposed to go to? I don't know. How bad is your cancer? How much bullying around should I do? I don't know. How much recovery do you want? There is an aspect of it, but in early recovery, I need it to be like really like like set forth. And it's nothing wrong with the bullying around, and, and 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 it should happen. There needs to be a friendly coffee atmosphere going out after the meeting and meeting up with guys, going bowling, having a great time. But is the sole purpose to go out with the guys to numb out the pain of life or while I'm enjoying myself bowling, I could tap the guy on the shoulder and say, I'm struggling with my marriage. Help me. What do I talk to in program? I don't know what to do. It's not working my way. With the fun. The fun is an element of life and we're supposed to enjoy But that shouldn't be the objective. Yeah. Um, thanks, Exaholic. So I have a question. I don't really know how to word it, but um, what, is there a point in program or in my sobriety that I can start focusing a little bit on the positive side of me? Like we focus a lot on an essay about you know, you know, we're very selfish and we can't reach ourselves and we get fucked up right and we're really really sick. You know, kind of like this thing where, like, you treat someone like a victim all their life, they're never going to get out of it. Love so, the question. At a certain point, love it. Love it. Myself, you know? Love it. Love the question. I want to repeat the question. So the question is, 
is it sounds almost like like we're knocking ourselves over the head or a two by four. It's like step one, you're a crazy guy. Step two, you're a crazy guy. Step three, everything is about you being nuts and nuts and nuts and nuts. Can we just like enjoy life a little bit? Like uh, I'm a positive guy. I got a lot of good going on inside of me and like let's live. I think program gives you that gift. Program gives me the gift that when I clear away the garbage, everything else just shines. But if I sit there and write myself gratitude lists and give myself affirmation, I know therapists and, and psychiatrists and doctors all believe in, in affirmations and affirmations and affirmations. I could tell myself, Chaim, you are the greatest guy in the world. You are the greatest guy in the world. You are a worthy guy. You are a true guy. You are an honest guy. And I could give myself all those affirmations. We could talk about it in a circle. If I just finish watching porn, those affirmations are going to do shit for me. If I just finish a lust binge, if I just lied to my wife, if I just wasn't there for my kids because I, I picked going to a wedding and hanging out with the guys over being at home with my children, I could give myself all the affirmations in the world. They're not going to do anything. And I could talk about what type of great guy I am. It's not going to do anything. Automatically, by clearing away the garbage, the, the, the good inside of me and the good inside of you will shine. We're scared to clear away the garbage. We just want like an easier path of just tell me I'm a good guy. Just tell me I'm good. Just tell me everything is good. Just tell me my, my, I'm, I'm good. The answer is you are. <laughs> like Harvey tells me a million times, God doesn't give a crap if you masturbate or not. If he did, you should be dead many times over. If he really gave us such a shit about it for the amount of acting out that I did and he wanted to take, you know, take it out of me, I shouldn't be around. I don't care. Of course he believes in me. He woke me up today in the morning. He loves me to pieces. Otherwise, he wouldn't put me in this world. What does he need me here for? <coughs> I am a great guy. I have found in my experience that's not what's keeping me sober. What's keeping me sober is writing a list of character defects, is writing a list of the people I've harmed, is writing a list of my resentments and getting rid of it. You know what kind of great guy comes out of me when I don't have resentments, that I don't have my character defects blooming, and I could just be an attitude of giving to the rest of the world? I automatically feel good about myself when I'm not resenting, when I'm not fearing. I just love myself to pieces. When I'm not shaming myself. Yeah, So a guy, he's um, he's having a great week, and um, teacher, I have a friend who. Masturbates. <laughs> and um, he's spiritual, he's connected. And then uh, one day, just it seemed as the blue, and he goes and he watches some, some lust, you know, puts on a movie that has nudity. Um, so does he go back to his beginning of the week, halfway week, you know, it's great, keep it up? Or does he say, what the hell's wrong? Why am I, why did I just go back? Great question. This is very relevant. So we're doing well. We're spiritually fit. We're working the program, and the day comes, and boom, the guy watches nudity. He's flirting. He, he WhatsApps somebody he shouldn't be. He's, he's doing the things that he shouldn't do. So what is the approach? So Roy K. said the approach to this in Recovery Continues. He wrote a, a book called Recovery Continues. Is thank you, God, for the reminder that I am a sexaholic. What more work do you want me to do on myself? 
pick up the phone, no shame, no blame, no nothing. Sponsor, this is what I did, what do I do? You dug the hole, Chaim, yourself. That's why you just watched nudity or porn or lusted or did whatever. Don't try to get yourself out of the hole. You're in the hole. You can't get out. Sponsor, what do I do? Let him make that decision. <laughs> Let him decide. Did it come from somewhere? Maybe my sponsor, for me, in, in, in my experience, my sponsor would tell me things like, I don't see you after the meeting being there for the newcomer anymore. I see you being there for Chaim, just bullying around, enjoying life. What does that have to do with my action that I just took? Okay, so don't listen to him. Try it your way. There's been times that my sponsor would throw out at me, say, how many sponsors do you have? Have you prayed? Where's your level of spirituality? It's my job to listen to the doctor. My throat hurts, doctor. Oh, it's strep. And you need to take this medicine and da-da-da. When I took Tylenol, it felt better, doctor. Should I just take Tylenol? You could. Or you could listen to somebody who's been in medical school and it helped hundreds of people. The beauty of this program is shutting off my brain, going to my sponsor and asking for direction and listening and following through. It is the most simplest and basic action in recovery and is the hardest thing for any of us to do. I just want to say one last thing there. It's going to happen. I said this earlier. We're all at one point going to take an action. It's what we do with it. But I have found those people that never, whatever that's supposed to mean, take actions of lust, are never around in this program. They obviously don't got what I got. Why do they need a beer? What's pushing them to be here? All of a sudden, when they see that girl, all of a sudden they get triggered. All of a sudden they're white. All of a sudden they're resentment. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it gets them to keep coming back. But we need to be honest. Sponsor, I looked at porn. I know as a sponsor, it's also important for the sponsor. Whatever the sponsor tells you, he's telling you 12% of the story. So as a sponsor, you need to know that because I tell my sponsor only 12% of the story on a good day. I was watching nudity for about, I would say, um, 8 to 10 minutes. Oh, you, you, you timed it. Timer. You know how long you were watching nudity for? Whoever watched nudity for only 8 to 10 minutes? Like, who are you fooling? Maybe normal people. Me? <laughs> are you kidding me? Got to get honest. Get really honest. And, if, and a sponsor should ask, this is what I do. I do. What are you looking for? And start asking questions and start digging and then start giving the real message to the sponsee. And then you get better. Is it happened only once? Did it happen twice? Don't be scared. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Your sponsee will say, you're not my sponsor anymore. Okay. You get some more free time on your hands. You know what I mean? Um, that's, that's so many things that you're saying are like to shut your mind up and then do take action and do. But so many, so many of the principles are changing your belief system, and it's very hard to just switch that off. It's is it a matter of just doing it and then it's going to sink in? Because it, beautiful. I could try from today's beautiful thinking that beautiful. So we're talking about the whole time about changing our belief system but it's like if I was able to just change my belief system I would just change it and then listen obviously I can't just listen and that's why I'm not listening and I'm having a hard time changing my system right 
So what do I do to change it? The way not to change it is in indulge in more lust and in more, in more acting out. And the way for me that it got changed is by coming here and asking God to change it for me. I'm powerless over everything. Is by humbling myself and coming here and getting honest. And through the steps, my, cha- my changes just happen. By working the steps, things just fall into place. There is an element of trust. When you go to the doctor, there's an element of trust. When you speak to your rabbi, there's an element of trust. There's always going to be an element of trust. But, excuse me, but usually it's not listening to my brain, it's listening to that person's brain. When you go for financial coaching or financial backing or you're speaking to your accountant, there's an element of trust wherever we go. But that's the beauty of doing the inventory. It's like, for once and for all, I hold the inventory in front of me. It's like 82 resentments, 36 fears. I'm scared to do my harms because I've harmed that many people. At one point, it's like, please help me. Like, this, is, this, this, doesn't, this doesn't work for me anymore. Obviously, I act out. I hate my wife, God, my children, everything about me. I hate my job. I hate blah, 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 Help. Or the denial of, I don't resent or anybody. Life is good. I just watch porn for the thrill of it. Okay, so continue. Or humble yourself and say, the pain is so severe that I can't even write it down. And like Harvey taught me, you say, God, write it for me. I can't get rid of my character defects. I say, God, in my step six and seven, take it from me. I can't find God. I say, God, I offer myself to you so I find you. I can't do anything. I'm powerless. I'm ultimately powerless over everything. But from my weakness comes the strength. From my admission comes, comes positivity and comes, comes correction. God takes all, I said this a thousand times, God takes all my manure and makes it into fertilizer if I hand him the manure. One last question. I feel like like this is where maybe I'm playing with myself with honesty. (laughs) That's not so good, Elio. When it comes, so the question is, what's the engagement of, did I cross over to taking an action of lust or not? Two points. When it comes to lust, if you didn't engage for more than the first second, the first look is on God. The second look is on you. The first look is on God. If you saw this beautiful girl, you're going to ever get triggered. 
forever, if you're a sexaholic, till three days after death, if you see an attractive woman, you will be triggered if you have sexaholism. If you have alcoholism, till three days after death, you're going to want alcohol. It doesn't mean you will drink. It doesn't mean you will engage. There will be a little flurry going on inside of you different than other people. You will react to the disease different than other people. I had a business meeting this week and I ended up in a neighborhood where there was a strip club. I felt the energy and knew there was a strip club in the neighborhood even though I had no clue which neighborhood I ended up in. I felt it. I have x-ray vision. I have powers that other human beings don't have. That's the gift of sexaholism. I know for myself, but I'm really supposed to, I don't see the woman. I, I know there are times that like, I'm not sure unless... There is know. also a balance of being able to look at lust in the eyes and stand free. What does that mean? That is our long work of life. That is the balance and, and, and working out life. What does it mean to take an action? What does it doesn't mean? What does it mean to look at lust in the eyes and stand free? What does it mean to watch a woman and there's a, a picture of a bikini? What does it mean, me today I could go to a beach, I could see women in, in bikinis running around, dancing around, breasts and, and butts and legs and everything, right? I get more triggered in a, in a coffee shop than I do by a beach today. I don't know why. My brain plays games. I mean, if for years I couldn't go to a beach, I couldn't. Uh, what? If I'm spiritually fit, the big book promises you could go anywhere where any regular human being could go. It's what you do with the reaction, with the action that goes on inside of you. And sometimes it's going to be better, and sometimes it's going to be worse. But Elio, this is exactly what we're talking about. These are the conversations that we sit down with the old times and with the sponsors for for. 30 minutes for an hour and you work it through until it works for you and it feels correct between you, God, and another human being. And what works for you is beautiful. And you own it and you live free then. You don't have to walk around. So did I take this second? Why am I uncomfortable? All the, all the chatter. You just let it go. And let it be free. Okay. Thank you. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.